Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I Do love not typing. mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Gladden. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page and the DC TV podcast YouTube channel with a special guest, Nicole Maines. Nicole, Nicole, welcome back to Supergirl Radio. We're glad to have you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. Well, this is exciting. Uh, Nicole was a guest uh, a couple years ago, pandemic time, I think. I think it was the pandemic time because I feel like I hadn't left the house in... in (laughs) years <laughs> so i don't know yeah it has been a while but we're glad to have you back and uh, one of the reasons that we are having nicole back is because a uh, dreamer just debuted into the dcu into the comics so we're we're very excited about that yeah i've got my copies as Whoa. well uh so yeah go out and get the uh the physical copies as well as the digital copy although comiXology we have our own beef here at supergirl radio with comiXology <laughs> uh but but definitely get it digitally. I was, was going to say, like, mine is on my phone. <laughs> it's not as fun to hold up. <laughs> Nicole, Nicole, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying, yeah, I have the variant covers. They didn't get, they, I don't have the one of her breaking through the glass, though. I just have <laughs> Oh yeah, I, uh, the I have only that variant. one on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. the variants are so pretty, though. So pretty. Uh, we'll we'll, t- we'll talk to Nicole about the art because very curious <laughs> about that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we uh, just wanted to uh, ask Nicole some questions about the comic book version of Dreamer. And if you have any questions in the live chat, feel free to drop them in there and then we will try to get them to Nicole. So uh, I guess our first question, uh, Morgan, do you want to he- head this out? Uh, sure. This yeah. Yeah. So we know you as an actress, but now we're getting to know you um, in the comic book industry. So we wanted to get to know you as a writer. Um what was your writing origin story and how did you first start writing? <laughs> so writing is similar to acting um, for me in that I don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's doing it. Um, I This sort of came about, not sort of, this did come about when it was just, so this was like February. Okay. <clears throat> Picture it. Los Angeles. <laughs> February 2020, just before a pandemic. Um, So I didn't know, you know, this was before we didn't know if we were doing a season seven or not. Um, But, you know, it was, I was sort of of the mindset. I was like, okay, obviously the show isn't going to go on forever. Uh, But this character is something that is very near and dear to my heart. And 
very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And I wanted to see her continue. I think she deserved a legacy beyond just being a made-for-TV character. Um, so I scheduled a meeting with DC and I said, hey, I have this idea. Would Could we, could we talk about it? And so we sat down and went to the DC offices and um, I gave them this pitch for a Dreamer solo series. And it was like this whole thing. And I was like, yeah, um, I, like my original, like it was like a crazy ask. I was like, can I have 24 issues, you know, like a two volume, you know, <laughs> like so she can go like just straight to her own ongoing. Right. And they yeah, were clearly. like, yeah, I was like, of course, I was like, of course that's what we're, what. that seems like a really reasonable ask to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> and so they were like, cool. Love that. Let's put a pin in that. Um, <laughs> But they told me that their young adult line was really like sort of popping off and they were looking for more um, material for that. And so they wanted me to start writing some like a graphic novel for their young adult line. And I was like, work. I did not go into this thinking I was going to write anything. I was more going into it. Hi, I kind of have like a loose story idea. Maybe we can find a writer and like, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I was just like, I think Dreamer deserves to be in comic books. And that's kind of all I was really going off of. Um, and so then I started, I had to come up with a, that was my um, pandemic activity. I had to come up with an entire new <laughs> story pitch. I was like, there, I was like, no, no, no. I only had the one idea. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good pandemic activity though. A lot of people just, baked bread or watched other people <laughs> bake bread via the great british bake-off <laughs> i had a friend erin over because she was in austin too. she was like hey girl can i borrow some yeast and i was like <laughs> baking bread uh, but yeah so i started working on that and then a couple months after that um they i ended up putting that on the um, back burner to start writing the dc pride story um for uh, DC Pride 2021, um, and did that, and so that then uh, that's another whole story that I have to come up with. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I'm like, guys, still don't know how to do this, but cool, keep like they're like throwing, things. they're like write this, and I was like, I still don't know how. <laughs> no, so no, did that we went well and had a really good time doing that. Inadvertently, um, that was like I was trying to canonize her. Um, but I'm an idiot, and I didn't know that National City was Midvale City in the comics. So I, like, inadvertently sort of anchored that in Arrowverse continuity, which is fine. Um, and so then back to work on the graphic novel. And then one um, of the publishers, um, Andrea Shea, reached out to me, who's amazing and is, like, one of the, you know, top people just fighting for first of all like inclusion across the board at dc um but you know also really fighting for a dreamer and she told me she wanted me to get in touch with tom because they were trying to find new places to put dreamer in the dc universe and they thought for her first appearance you know this was just after john came out as by um and they were like, we think this is a really good comic to sort of introduce Dreamer into. And that's such a good, and I love that as a team up. I think John and 
Nia have very similar um, journeys and struggles, just, you know, having high bars set by their parents, you know, sort of inheriting a, a mantle that they're not all the, all um, completely ready for. Um, and then also I just, you know, I love um, pairing Dreamer with Kryptonians. There's something about a Naltorian Kryptonian <laughs> team up that's just, it feels right. just feels right. It's a good mix. It really works. Uh, so it seems like you had a lot of comic projects all kind of uh, avalanching yeah, sure. uh, one after the other. That's that's amazing. So I'm curious, just real quick, um, when you initially went into DC Comics to pitch them a Dreamer story, what was that like? Was it, uh, was it, Did you have something written down or was it just a verbal pitch? You were just like talking to them in a conversation? Yeah, so I went kind of full in I did like two because I, I I do I like to draw and illustrate and, and paint too so I did two mock-up like digital covers for Dreamer kind of like to set the vibe and I gave her like her own logo and everything and I was kind of like okay this is the vibe we're going for um and then yeah I went in I drew like a big like, like they have like these huge whiteboards in their meeting room and so I like took up the whole space because I got there early and I was like and I like did like the dreamer logo again and I like set the mood um because I'm an, I'm an entertainer I guess <laughs> uh but I went in yeah and I had like a full kind of like this is so I'm like this is the story I'm thinking for her solo um it was the same it was the same exact pitch I ended up giving later to Greg Berlanti and Sarah Schechter for a dream spinoff. I was like, I have one idea. Someone do <laughs> live action or comic book. I just think it's a good idea. Anybody? Um, hey, Gers. Um, so that's my secret. I just keep pitching the same thing over again. Says <laughs> yes to me. Um, or they pivot me and they're like, why don't you do this instead? And I'm like, okay. You're going to wear them down. You got this. <laughs> Yeah, squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's what mom always said. Yeah, it either either it either gets the grease or replaced. Uh, so, what was your process as a comic book writer when you were writing writing Dreamer's debut, and like, how was it different working with a co writer uh, in Tom Taylor versus when you wrote the DC Pride story by yourself? So, this was really really great because I had somebody to sort of keep me grounded and I had and, and Tom is just a freaking brilliant writer and I mean he's done everything so if there was ever somebody to sort of help me figure out I'm like okay this is how we do this um he was the perfect person for it and working with Tom was great because he was he did all the like actual like the action of writing and what I did was more conceptual where I would call him on the phone in the wee hours of the morning and I'd say I have an idea um, <laughs> But he's great because he always wanted to hear it and he always had an idea of his own to match it. And so we, we would just talk on the phone for hours and, and go back and forth and, and you know, how, how do we want to debut her? What's the best way to do this? What do we, um, and it was a really great collaborative process because I, and, and for me, I think it was nice because especially as I'm still writing the graphic novel and, and working on that, it was nice to sort of be able to, okay, yeah, I can brainstorm, and but I don't actually have to do any physical typing um, or formatting or anything. I didn't have to worry about any of that. I was able to more just sort of like find the story with him and focus on, okay, what is the best possible way 
that we can introduce her with a little bit of like woo, but also do her character justice. You know, it's, and one of the ways we ended up doing that was we decide, we were trying to decide like, we want to find somewhere for John and Dreamer and Jay to connect on just being queer people and, and queer superpowered people. And, and we just ended up deciding, we were like, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's room for that. And that I was really, really grateful to have that conversation because he called me. He was like, I really want to work this in, but I'm struggling. And I was like, then that is our sign that we just do not do it in this issue. Because I think with representation, one of the most important things is, you know, there's a, a way to do it so that it feels natural. Um, it didn't, it, it just, it didn't make any sense for her to come into the Fortress of Solitude and be like, hi, I have a really grim omen. Also, by the way, have you seen these bathroom bills? Like, it just, <laughs> it felt like it was like in a different direction and there's room for them to talk about that and they will, I think. But I think for right now, it, it was really nice to be able to sort of tell her story, um, just focusing on what she's there to do which is save the world, um, which was awesome. Yeah, she's uh, definitely uh, saving the Justice League for sure, it looks like in the, in the comic. No, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, every single member of the Justice League owe you a big fucking favor. <laughs> I, th- I think that they all have to, they all should like in the next issue, like one by one, thank her. Like after a little league baseball game where you were all yes, <laughs> shaking hands, saving my life. Thank you. I was completely helpless without you. <laughs> we're all on you. Thank you. You're the best. Yeah, totally. Here's the key to the bat cave. Alice, need a key. So uh, you talked about you know doing this as more of like a, a story ideas versus doing the actual writing when you were doing DC Pride and when you're doing the the graphic novel. I was just kind of wondering how that that process worked for you. Like how how did you determine how many like panels would be on a page? Like how were you were you imagining what the comic would look like in your head? Uh, not to toot my own horn, but I recently like submitted a story in my friend's comic anthology, a, a bi visibility anthology. Uh, And I found it so interesting how different the writing process is for like prose versus comics where you have to think about like, no, 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 that's too many panels on a page, for instance. The way that it was explained to me, and I think the way that makes most sense is that it is an open letter to the illustrator. And so the way that I've been writing for the graphic novel, for the, it was easier, I think, with the with the DC Pride issue because I was just eight pages um, I mean, that presented its own challenges. Trying to create a whole story, eight pages, is really hard. Um, but for the graphic novel, it's actually been really nice. Because also in a graphic novel, especially young adult format, you don't really, you know, I don't need that many pages. I can keep it to sort of like four, three, five panels on a page. Because um, I have so many pages. So I have a lot of time to really give each moment its own um, panel, but the way that I've been thinking about it, yeah, it's just an open letter to the illustrator. Um, and so I leave lots of links in my scripts to like Pinterest pages. Cause I'm a very visual person. And if I feel that I'm not doing an idea justice, I'll be like, you know what, here's a Pinterest page for Parthus. 
or something like this is sort of what we're thinking this is the idea this is the imagery we're going for and that has been very very helpful um and me and Rai have been going back and forth um and just sort of being able to collaboratively find all of this um but yeah it's an entirely different format just having to break it down okay like page one panel one caption one two panel two caption three panel and like having it is a completely different way of structuring a page and that took some getting used to because i've you know i'm used to and then she did this and then when (laughs) and there is no in comic books there is no present it is either it's been done or they're going to do it you do not there's no picking up the cup it is either it's on the table it's in her hand or she's reaching for it. It's in her hand. And so trying to think about that and reframe the way that I just am looking at any action or conversation. Um, But now it's, now it's sort of gotten to the point where I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, now I know how to do it. But at first it was a lot of brain power. Yeah, I found that to be the same thing where I was like, oh, my God, wait, how do I say this in like one panel? And then like, oh, no, what if I put too much text on it? <laughs> totally. Totally. I've always, I always overestimate, though, how much room the text is going to take. And then when I end up seeing it, I'm like, oh, I could have done more. <laughs> um, I think that's a, a good segue into the different artists that you've worked with. So did you... Um, both of the covers, uh, Rachel says in the chat, for the, the issue are so good. Did you consult on them? No. No, I had nothing to do with that. That was a complete surprise to me. Um, and I got those really, really early, too. Um, way before even the... Like, those were done before we even started sketching any of the interiors. Um, so those were the first things that I saw were the covers. And I was so excited. And I over the moon seeing them like yeah it was, it was just like oh my god that's dreamer <laughs> in a comic book standing next to superman on top of the daily planet like it that's one of my favorite parts and what i'm most excited about in having her move to the comics is just seeing different people's versions of her and seeing her in every, every different style um, is something I'm really excited about. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah, because now artists are interpreting Dreamer for themselves. Like, they're putting their stamp on what Dreamer looks like or uh, might sort of, uh, you know, emotionally in the face uh, do. Um, there is a, a, another question in the chat. Nicole asked, do the bicolors in Nia's Astra produ- projection on one of the variant covers have any significance? Do you know? Uh, I know and you didn't uh, consult on them, but do you know? I thought, I think they're very pretty. I think I, if they, I guess it's this one. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, listen, we know son of, we know son of Kal-El to be a, a, a piece of bi literature. So maybe. There we go. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's cool. Uh, so we had a question come in from our email from Aaron who says, it seems like you've always wanted to be an actor, uh, but how do you feel about becoming a writer? Do you ever struggle with feeling uncomfortable in that role or have you kind of fallen into it and discovered a passion for writing? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, definitely a little bit of both. Um, definitely feeling the pressure, same with acting, just, you know, it's not something that I 
really studied or thought I was going to do. Um, so there's definitely a feeling of unpreparedness to it, but working on dreamer and bringing her from the show into the comics and shaping her story now and getting to sort of decide where that goes, um, has been really fulfilling and it feels like something I was genuinely really meant to be doing, which is really nice to have. It feels like I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know a lot of other stuff, but like, I know that I'm supposed to be at least doing this and, and seeing how far we can get this character in the comics. Um, hint. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're still going for those 24 issues and I respect that. (laughs) Listen, I'm, I'm trying to pull them all down. I'm, now I want more. Now that I've seen things, I'm like, oh, okay. And, and of course, now that I'm working with Tom, I'm like, so Tom, I had some ideas for Injustice 3. <laughs> He's like, what? And I'm like, oh, I didn't tell you? Oh, I'm, I'm there, by the way. Uh, <laughs> So what was the process like working with a, a comic book artist on, on both uh, Son of Kal-El and also on the, uh, the, graphic, the Dreamer graphic novel? That's kind of my favorite part because it is, I, I mean, comic books really are equal part, you know, what has the author done? And then, okay, now where did the illustrator take that and elevate it to? Um, that, and, that, and that is my favorite part. So with the graphic novel, the um, DC Pride issue, that I was really like, once it, once the script was done, then it's kind of like, I'm, I'm done. I do the script, I give it to the illustrator, sort of like, go do what you, and then obviously it's like, okay, little tweaks or, oh, hey, I'm trying to think of like, what tweaks we made like a little bit of a lot of it's coloring because a lot of stuff does get lost in translation between, okay, now it's gone from the writer to the illustrator to the colorist. And then sometimes things will get lost in translation. So that's the area that I find myself more having to come in and be like, Hey, let's tweak the color of this. Or like everybody always wants to make dreamers eyes blue. Oh, really? So I find that's always something I have to look out for. Um, Cause like, it's all blue. It feels like her eyes are <laughs> But then I, then I come in and I'm like, hi. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's my own vanity or ego or what, but, um, but yeah. So um, yeah, it's really unless there's something glaring that somebody missed. Usually, they've done a really really brilliant job, and I'm just and usually I'm, I rarely find that I'm like, oh, this this needs to be changed. Usually, it's a matter of like. Yep, that is better than anything I could have come up with or described. So, good job. <laughs> well, that uh, brings us to Rocky's uh, question, uh, saying, Hi, Nicole, you've talked a lot about the Dreamer suit. Is there anything you'd like to add or change to the overall design of the suit, if you could? Hmm. I think I'd change the boots. I think that she's such a, she's such a cool suit. And I feel like the boots are kind of like, boots are kind of clunky. At least on the show. Like, it was kind of like, blue boot with triangle on top. And I was like, okay. And it felt like I would have, if I could change that, I would have changed it to more of like a Zentai suit, cat suit situation. And added like a wedge and sole to the pant leg. 
and just had it been like slick, uh, slim all the way down and just go straight into the boot and have the boot be a part of the pant and have it be like a whole cat suit. I think that would have just been like a sleeker look to it. Um, especially just with the lines and seams on the suit. I think that would have looked really good. Um, and then I probably, I would have changed, I would have added more of the chrome material. I would have liked to see that a little in a little more place than just like the torso and a little bit of the shoulder. Um, I think it would have been cute to have it like have somewhere bring it down the arms would be really pretty. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, for the most part, I really, really love the suit. I'd have it be more comfortable if I give it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boots are difficult in comics. We've we've recently uh, discussed some boots in uh, Future State, uh, Cars or Superwoman, Future State. So boots are difficult in, in yeah. comics. Just trying to find fashionable footwear for superheroes. So hard. <laughs> <laughs> they have to be practical. They have to be fashionable. It's a, it's a challenge. Yeah, I will say I, I am kind of thinking about like in the future, what do we want Dreamer's suit to look like? Because I do want, I want there to be like variations. I want to be able to change stuff. Um, my my like dream someday is I want to see like a live action, like cinematic universe version of the Dreamer suit. Because you know, they always like, they always do something a little like different with the suits and they make them like darker or just more Hollywood or something. I I'd love to see what that looks like with the dreamer suit and what people would come up with. Um, I feel like I had a point. Not even. <laughs> well, you're also an artist. Would you ever want to be a comic book artist? Oh, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Some of your stuff is actually pretty good. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh. I no. I will tell you my qualm with the Brainiac and Nia one. Every time I tried to export it, this Brainiac skin would change color mm. with my working file and like the, the final finished product. And I could not figure out how to fix it. So he's lime green. <laughs> Still looks great in my <laughs> opinion. Thanks. But I was, but, um, but to answer your question, no, I, I tried like when I was in like middle school, high school, I tried to like, you know, write my own, like, cause I was a weeb. I wanted to like write my own like manga and everything. And my problem is character consistency. I could draw the same character in two back-to-back -back panels. That will be a genetically entirely different person. <laughs> that does seem like it would be a challenge though I, i've never oh. thought about you have to be consistent across things oh totally totally i i would draw a character and they'd be like i'm sorry wait why is supergirl saying that and i'd be like that's supposed to be dreamer <laughs> <laughs> like i couldn't do it so you've obviously read a lot of the comics. Was there anything that you took from reading comics that played into writing ones? Like, were there things that you wanted to, to uh, take away from the comics? Were there things that you wanted to avoid? Mm, my, I mean, I'm a sucker for Easter eggs is my thing. I just like throwing in like gentle nods to a bunch of different things. That's like in the, in um, Son of Kal-El was really fun because that was just like, how many references can we make to how many different people? Um, so that was really fun. I love doing that. Um, in the DC Pride issue, um, that was very like, 
that I wanted to just do like a formula that people knew and were familiar with. I was kind of like, I feel like this is going to be the first time a lot of people are seeing Dreamer. I want to go with like your very quintessential run of the mill bad guys in a warehouse. Why are they there? They want to kill a bunch of people. Who's going to stop them? Dreamers. Gonna go be- <laughs> like that felt like a very something we could accomplish in eight pages and not have to do too much explaining. And then we could just focus on showcasing Dreamer. Um, and so that was like, I was trying to do sort of like a Batman Begins, the League of Shadows, throwing a little slight nod to Lady Shiva and, you know, just sort of try to put a little bit in there. And then in the graphic novel, there's a lot. <laughs> there's just, that's, that's where I've gone off the deep end, um, just in terms of self-referencing the show and just other stuff and so you're, that I'm very excited about, that you are going to see um, some familiar faces from the show. Um, perhaps not the ones you're expecting. Oh, ooh. I was going to ask if Supergirl fans can expect any uh, fun Easter eggs in the Dreamer graphic novel. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, we have... I think, my, think I'm, the thing I'm most excited about is we, we do have a beloved character returning. Um, um, I'm not going to tell you who that. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll just, have to, we'll just have to buy the graphic novel and read although, it. Although I invite you all to speculate, <laughs> on <what laughs> I'm going to bring into the comic. We're we're always wrong uh, on Supergirl Radio. <laughs> we are always wrong. That is true. That's <laughs> that's part of our promise to our listeners. <laughs> you, but I like that though. You set a bar low, and then when you're right, it's like. Oh, was there ever a doubt? Then Nailed we hop it. right over it. <laughs> <laughs> so for the Dreamer graphic novel, when can we expect that out? And is there like a place where you can pre-order it? I know pre-orders help people out. Totally. So no like sales or anything yet. I just this morning um, had a kickoff meeting, phone call, Zoom thing. Um, we're just starting to do like thumbnail sketches for the first act. Um, and then I'm still, I'm, the script's not even done. So it's, I think the goal is to have it sometime next year, um, is I think the goal that I, I don't know if that's achievable. I hope so. I would have it out as soon as possible, but also I myself not knowing what I'm doing. I'm like, can I have a little bit more time? <laughs> Cause I'm also, and I keep going back over the same thing and just trying to make sure that because no, it's our first you know, dreamer property. Um, so I, I just want it to be perfect. Do you, do you have people that you give it to that you trust as editors or somebody to give you feedback? Uh, yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom, um, my boyfriend, um, the God bless his heart, Nate. <laughs> and I told him this, I was like, God forbid I ever be involved in some tragedy or accident. Um, and I, and I die. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you must carry on my work. <laughs> <laughs> like you're the only one. <laughs> Cause like, it's all it's, he actually sat me down the other day. Um, and he was like, I love you. And I love dreamer. Very glad that you're passionate about it. We need to talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
do, do you do sketches while you write or do you? Okay. Sometimes, yeah. If I'm really stuck on a page or something, it helps if I can sort of like, I'm like, okay, how, if I was doing illustrations, how would this look on a page? And that sometimes helps me if I'm really struggling to figure out like, okay, should it be five page, five panels or six panels? What should the layout of this look like? Um, that was really helpful in the beginning. Also, I think especially for the eight pager, just because I had such a finite amount of space that I had to be very conscious about like, okay, this all has to get done by page one. Because then by page two, we have to be introducing the League of Shadows so that we can spend as much time just enjoying that battle as possible. Um, so that I did a lot of sketch. I, I did sketches for every page. Um, the graphic novel less so because, you know, I can kind of be like, oh, okay, and then we'll do, yeah, I, feel, I like the feel of four. New page. Yeah, another new page. Yeah, and I, I like, I can just keep, because I have... My, they've maxed me out at 200. So that's my ceiling. That's a lot of pages. Oh, it's a book. Yeah, that's a it's that's a big graphic novel, yeah. I'm so excited for people to see it. It is like, it's like part kind of teenage coming of age story, part intergalactic Snow White and the Huntsman. Ooh. Oh, I like, that. I like that combination. <laughs> yeah, that like, because when I said, they first sort of started talking to me about it, they were like, yeah, so, you know, think of like, you know, the young adult graphic novels, think of it less as like, a, you know, Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. This is more about Bruce Wayne becoming Bruce Wayne. And I was like, okay, can it be Nia becoming Nia becoming Dreamer? <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I want everything like, I want everything superhero-y. Like, I can't, like, I'm. I want Power Rangers. I want like, <laughs> like, and like, oh God, like I can't just write a story about a girl being sad. It has to be about a girl being sad while all of this other shit's happening. <laughs> while there are explosions. <laughs> but, oh, but what kind of explosion? <laughs> Uh, I see we have a good question in the chat, actually, that I didn't think about. Uh, Maria asks, is uh, the son of Kal-El 13 dreamer the same dreamer we'll see in the origin story in the graphic novel? This is such a good question. So it's weird. And dreamer finds herself in kind of a weird spot um, as far as just DC goes, because generally with the graphic novels, they're separate stories. Um, and so like you have like... Um, Oh, like the Teen Titans Raven graphic novel, which is freaking great, or Poison Ivy Thorns. Um, they're about characters we know who do have set continuity. This story isn't that continuity. It's not in canon. It's just a story about a young Poison Ivy, or it's a story about a young Zatanna. Dreamer is a little different because her origin story hasn't really been told yet. So sort of anything we do establishes a lot. So for Son of Kal-El, we reference it because I know that there are going to be certain points that regardless of how perhaps in the future her story may change or shift or continuity um, will change, you know, depending on universe or which run it is, you know, people's origins changes, but there is always set like Superman arrived as a baby. Uh, Batman's parents died at the opera. Like, 
other things can change, but there are constants that remain. And so for Dreamer, I wanted to keep a couple things like she gets these powers. She didn't think they were meant for her. Her mom dies. Her sister's a bitch. Those are kind of the core elements to Yes, <laughs> I think origin story. And so we've kept, I've kept those. I've kept Parthis, the alien town she grew up in. Cause I think that's just such a fun um, environment to explore. We don't get to spend as much time there, but um, you know, it's cause she has to go, you know, kick ass with the cheetah girls and <laughs> whatever. Uh, so, so yeah, so I kept that. Um, but there is a reference in Son of Kal-El to the graphic novel. When on page... <laughs> oh God, what page is it? It feels like we're in class and we have to like turn to page. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, oh. Well, there aren't page numbers, so never mind. Um, but she, we men- I mentioned something about um, another Neltorian. And that has to do with the graphic novel. Ooh, that's also Ooh. another good tease. I like the idea fun. that we're going to get to explore the Neltorian aspects of Dreamer. That's Very fun. excited about for this graphic novel. Is it is really the opportunity to establish... Dreamer, we flesh out Naltor because it's never really like we spent some time there. Um, but I really wanted to get into like what makes this planet of future seers tick? How can we sort of update it to bring it more into um, current continuity? Um, what can we do to paint this picture? Um, and also, sort of nail down the origins at least a little bit of um dreamers powers because i don't think i'm telling stories out of school when she is doing shit that naltorians have not been able to do (laughs) (laughs) um so getting into that and actually starting to explain okay why why is nia able to do this um and so that'll be cool that's still not completely it, it's more i guess alluded to um this is this yeah yeah it's um i'm very excited there's a lot there's so much <laughs> like talk about it and um but yeah so we we deal deal a lot with just the naltor sides of stuff and and the politics and um and her mother and her mother and sort of what led her mother to leave Naltor in the first place. Um, what role she plays in, in on earth um, and how Nia relates just how, you know, what was Nia before she stepped onto that elevator in season four? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think that brings me to like, what were the aspects of Nia and Dreamer that you were that you were most important to you to bring to the character in the comics? And is there anything that you were sad that you couldn't include? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really, I like, I know there will be room for it in the future, so I'm not too bummed. Um, there's no, there, you know, there's not really a lot of room for, this is, this was an issue about talking. 
this was a talking <laughs> dreamer showed up let me t- let me i'm gonna show you these these visions i've had and we're gonna have a conversation about that less about um you know we're we're meeting in the heat of battle or i'm saving you or or something so i i, I would have liked to see dreamer in action but we're gonna see that moving forward and this is still dreamer in action um it's less i think flashy and i think that was one of the things that some people took issue with was that a big chunk of the book was taken up outside of the fortress it didn't include dreamer but like that's because you know that's what dreamer does she comes and she shows this vision and so whatever that vision is is because of dreamer so i didn't really get that um and I, I think it was nice because, you know, I think on the show, it was the exact opposite. It was all Dreamer in combat. And we didn't really settle as much with, like, you know, she's a future seer. This is the, the and the, the role that Nuranal played in the Legion of Superheroes. Um, I like that Dreamer was sort of taking that up more in this issue um, of Son of Kal-El, where she sort of comes and presents more of an intellectual side to her powers versus um, shoot, shoot. Um, but that's still, that panel of her first getting those gauntlets, and I love that panel. <laughs> so cool. Uh, this is a really broad question, but what do you like best about Dreamer as a character? Uh, I mean, I know it's such like a cop-out to say all of her, but I mean, I love her humor. I love that she can do totally ridiculous. Like we could do totally ridiculous with her. We could do just full comedy, like a Deadpool Harley Quinn style, or we could totally flip it and do like the darkest, grimmest, like Batman detective comic um, and have those happen at the same time. That I think is something I really, really love about Dreamer because she has this character has such a light to her and has so much positivity. And I think that allows us to counterbalance that with some really dark, macabre, terrifying nightmare shit. And that's really what, and that was what I first pitched DC. I I came up, came to them with an idea where I was like, okay, so we're going to have a dreamer. And for the pitch, it was Brainiac too, but we're not talking. We're not talking about him right now. Um, <laughs> it was like we have Dreamer, who's this great character. She's so light, and as we move through this story, as we're going into these really dark places, she will continue to be a beacon for audiences. And so that I think will sort of give people breathe like a like a breath. And it's like, okay, and she's nice, and she's funny, and we're going back into terror. (laughs) And and having her to sort of counterbalance um, darker aspects, which I think it's fun. Because, you know, when you have a character who who dreams the end of the world every time she goes to sleep, you know, that'll take us to some, you know, because I think that's what else I love about her. The potential. That is a good answer. The potential of Dreamer is what I love the most because she has such an amazing power set. She has such amazing connections to other heroes already. Um, she's a breath of fresh air. And with these powers, she could reasonably face whatever kind of threat. Any threat to the future is fair game for Dreamer to take a crack at it. <laughs> that gives us a 
ton of different places to go. And that's something I'm really excited about. That's awesome. So what's next for you? What's next for Nicole Maines? What would you like fans to know about? Well, um, I'm going to, I'm going to keep writing. Um, have, I, I think I've said this before, um, recently, but there are a couple of other things we have loaded for dreamer. I can't say anything yet, but news will be coming very soon of some other dreamer things that are happening. Um, so that'll be cool. Always, always a bunch of, um, irons in the fire with that one. Um, and then also I have, um, I did a film, Darby Harper wants you to know. Um, it's going to be really awesome. It's super fun. Uh, it's going to be on Hulu. It's like a sort of dark comedy. Um, think, um, think Mean Girls meets The Sixth Sense. Oh, that's, that's quite the combination. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. I played a, you know, dry, sarcastic, um, lesbian cheerleader. <laughs> it's the, like the anti. <laughs> um, super fun. I got to spend the whole movie, um, staring at my phone and delivering one-liners. It was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the dream. That's, that's a good oh, gig. Oh my God. You guys are going to love the movie. It's so fun. <laughs> Well, I guess that's going to do it for our time with our questions. If you have a, a couple of minutes left, though, if we could make some snap oh, judgments, oh, we, would oh, love, we would love to make some snap oh, judgments with you. Game. <laughs> In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Okay, so our first snap judgment is you have the ability to reassure someone that their father will return someday. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. Do you choose to tell them to ease their worries or do you choose not to reveal that information so as to preserve the timeline? I don't see the point in giving somebody hope. Worst case scenario, I'm wrong. Does <laughs> <laughs> that suck? Wouldn't that suck? Like, oh. like, don't bother. He's coming back and he never comes back. And you're like, oh, that was on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> and she's like, hey, man, listen, I'm dreaming the end of the world here. I'm <laughs> good news in between. But listen, it's a bit of a crapshoot. He, he comes can't, in. He can't he get him all dream, right. Dreamer's just hanging out with Cal X. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Having a tea party. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, I think if I had the ability to tell someone that their loved one was still alive or was coming back for them, I, I think I'd probably do it. Somebody that uh, even just hope. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it would. I don't think that would mess up the timeline too badly. Yeah. And if it did, oops. That's going to come back. What does having that knowledge change? Except maybe you're a little bit more positive. Exactly. Exactly. To be around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our next snap judgment is would you rather drink tea in the fortress of solitude or travel uh, by stepping through the dreams of animals? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was very excited to give her that power. That <laughs> <laughs> what do animals dream? Do they dream? 
Who knows? But dolphins are wicked smart. (laughs) (laughs) I really wanted to ask God. I wanted something. And they're like, how did you get here? Animal dreams. You know, dolphins (laughs) are super smart. Or like something to, um, but you know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what animal she stepped through. Um, I mean, I don't know. Does it make a difference if, like, you're having scones and those little sandwiches with your tea? Does that make a difference? Like, it depends on whether or not these, like, and this is my relationship I've had with Dreamer and her powers. I think her powers are the coolest. I think that she is increasingly, undeniably, the most powerful character. Um... Don't know if I would want her powers. Because <laughs> that is a girl who is sad. <laughs> but like, it was just like stepping through dreams and I could like go into the dream world and like, you know, you know, do whatever. I don't know. Um, that would be cool. Um, air travel. Uh, I'm stepping through dreams. Oh, do you want me to meet you in Italy? I'm there. Tonight. You don't have to worry okay. about customs, bringing your passport. None of it. Totally. Um, so that would be cool. Um, but if that came with like, I'm seeing the apocalypse in my sleep, mm. I'll, I'll walk. <laughs> I'll take that air travel, even though totally. it's not great. I, it's yeah. not great right now. <laughs> or I, you know, was seeing the world end every night. The only thing is, if, if you're drinking hot tea, like I'm imagining myself drinking hot tea in the Fortress of Solitude, can you get it hot enough to Ooh. sit in a, a frozen block of ice? That was another question I would actually raised. Um, I wish just like somewhere in there been like, so this is the Fortress of Solitude. Why do you have more than one chair? <laughs> What if she had knocked over the tea and like accidentally like melted part of the fortress of solitude? <laughs> I am. Or, or even just like, that is somehow just look at Kalex. Like you feed me that. Like, was that acid? <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm going to uh, animal dreams just cause I think I would be too cold to drink the hot tea. I don't know. It's, it's a weird temperature combination. Yeah. That's, I'd love, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. If I'm in the Fortress of Solitude and I'm drinking tea with Kellex, I feel like I'd be pissed if I didn't get to then be a superhero. That's like, fair. We also have, uh, Morgan, we have some snap judgments oh, in the chat. Yes, we do. Ooh, yeah. uh, dream travel or time travel? Dream travel. I'm not trying to mess with time travel. I just finished Umbrella Academy season three. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> too much i'm trying to walk into some stranger child's bedroom thinking it's my child (laughs) nope i'd probably i'd probably leave my phone somewhere and like destroy all of space and time and be like oh Oh. no so yeah i probably shouldn't be trusted (laughs) yeah i don't know i think i'm going time travel if marty mcfly has taught us anything it's that you can just fix it. Like, it can be fixed. <laughs> just go back. Just go back and fix it. I think it's fine. Supergirl did it a couple times. Yeah, Supergirl <laughs> did it. for her. So, <laughs> I'm, uh, so, I'm so upset we did not do, like, just an off-the-cuff line about some, something about 
Kara at the end of season six realizing that Nia was Brenda. <laughs> I, I wanted that look of like shocked realization and we didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have uh, also wanted something between Cat Grant because Nia basically inspired Cat Co. From I what I remember. Want, like, okay. So I, oh, I'm so glad you said this because Nia and Cat would have been such an iconic duo. I just see them together in the White House being like, <laughs> oh, Kat, hmm. those shoes with that top? Interesting. And then she's <laughs> like, oh, Miss Paul, you tried. <laughs> like, I'm like, just like razor sharp comments on each other's wardrobe every day. Um, but from a place of love. I, I thought that I feel like that's the version of the West Wing I've always wanted. <laughs> Come on, listen. Doing. Just walk and talks with Kat and Nia. I love oh, it. Yeah, I, I'm seeing like the beginning of The Devil Wears Prada where they're walking down the hallway and people are getting out of the way. People <laughs> on hills, like people are like switching out their outfits. They're like, oh my God, I'm coming. That's, what, that's the real reason she left the White House. It was too much makes sense i like it uh i see one from kenny who asks would you team up with the flash or team up with wonder woman i mean can i be a bad person and say both and it's because she's well uh, uh, in snap judgment you have to pick one you have okay. you can um, only I pick one wonder woman wonder woman i feel like just with the flash i i don't know if i'd be able to help i think he'd be moving so fast i'd really be I'd be talking to myself. I'd be like, where is he? Oh, he's off in the speed force doing, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm just going to stand here while you do whatever you do really fast. I feel like it'd be a little more fun working with one. At least I'm seeing what's happening in real time. That makes sense. And I, I, I have a snap judgment, which is if you had to do a Halloween costume again, <laughs> would you pull back out the dreamer costume or would you pull out the dream girl costume that you did before for uh, Halloween? <laughs> Oh, I mean, that one was really fun. I really like that one. I might do that one again. Just because I don't know. But <laughs> um, I, that was fun. We had a lot of fun doing that. It was Dream Girl. It, we were walking around Vancouver. It was Dream Girl. Mia's Dream Girl. And Staz in one of those inflatable T-Rex costumes. <laughs> we did not go together. <laughs> but we had so much fun. And I was... So fucking cold. That that looks like a cold outfit to be wearing in Toronto. Oh, and you're the, not saying below that. Dream girl only wears a leotard. I was walking around Vancouver just with my bare ass out. Oh my gosh! It was like uh, it was like him warm in his little like you know hot air contraption, and me like not even shuffling sprinting from bar to bar but you looked amazing so. committed to it 100 percent. thank you so much i still ha i have it i just unboxed it um yesterday i was going through stuff and i was like what is this and then i saw chrome go-go boots and i was like oh, okay I have this. <laughs> <laughs> looked uh 100 the part definitely identifiable as dream girl so you did a great job I that that was also kind of like my inadvertent way. I was trying to convince people that I was like 
hey, we should do a Nura cameo, you know, season six. I really, my, my pitch um, was Brainiac goes back, when he goes back to the future at the end, um, we don't really see what convinces him to turn around. I wanted, like, Nura waiting for him. Like, she'd seen him coming back and, like, standing in the door and being like, what are you doing? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and then that would have been amazing. Yeah, and then, like, as he's leaving or something, she's like, bye, Grandpa. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> and then it's too late and, like, the portal closes or something. <laughs> Everyone's just confused. Like, the <laughs> artist legionnaire behind Brainiac. So I'm kind of like, I wonder if there's not a little bit of something happening up there. I mean, Rachel in the chat says, I always thought Nura should be played by you in a wig, so. got to play their descent relatives in wigs. <laughs> it's a time-honored CW tradition. <laughs> Katie, Katie got an amazing wig for hers. <laughs> she got to be out in the woods in that wig. You really missed out. I mean, that wig looked like it had been out in the woods. <laughs> Listen, that wig had been through a lot, okay? It had been surviving out there. Every wig on our show had been through it. Although I will say, the glow up of the century was Kate Burton's wig when she played around, played my mom. Yeah. The glow up from the season four, like visible lace, hard front. You could see the wig cap poking through to season six was like rags to riches. I don't know if it looked, I don't know if it, I was like, oh, that's actually up close. It looked really good. It looked really, really good. So the wig game did improve a lot. There you go. That was a wig upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Not, not all sad stories here. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole Super Gorio episode. Well, actually we did. We did a Super, we, Super Gorio episode. We on the literally wig did. <laughs> Listen, my, my, yeah. If I did Nura again for Halloween, I would need to update that wig. That was a, somehow I turned a lace front into a hard front. It was, that was like the Berlin wall along my forehead. It's all in the personality though. I mean, you can, you can turn a, a kind of so-so wig into, into something well, really great with the personality. A lot of sexy happening down here. Yeah. So for once I was like, eyes down here. <laughs> this was an effort i tried failed but this is great well i think you nailed it with uh dream girls so well done uh with your with your halloween costume well i think that's going to take us out of snap judgments hey. no judgments on your snap judgments all right. Well, Nicole, I, I'm so uh, thankful for your time. We really appreciate you coming back to Supergirl Radio to chat with us again. Uh, we have so many more questions for you about the show, about some other things. Uh, so uh, if you're, you know, in the future, if you want to come back, uh, the, the door is always open. So we're really appreciative of your time and uh, for, for uh, answering our questions and the, the questions of the people in the live chat tonight. Um, so where can people, uh, if they don't know, where can people find you on the internet if they want to keep up with you? In your dreams. No. <laughs> uh, you can find me. I'm Nicole A. Mains on everything. Um, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And how can people uh, uh, check out the the Dreamer graphic novel? Would, are we just uh, looking for updates from DC? Yeah. Is 
So I'll update you guys on Twitter and Instagram um, as as I'm able to give updates. <laughs> um, but for right now, just know that I am very hard at work on it. Um, it's going really well. I just got all of the thumbnails, sketches for all the character designs. And everyone looks amazing. I cannot wait. And I cannot wait for you guys to see what we have done to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, congratulations on the graphic novel and on the comic debut. I no. know that we're really excited. We can't wait to uh, to read what's next for Dreamer. Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm really excited to see where she goes next. Well, I know where she's really excited. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Well, we will be looking out for it, and uh, we wish you all the best in all of your efforts and all of your, your writing and your sketching and, and all of your pitches that you're doing. So um, best of luck, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, catch up with you next time when a Dreamer comes out in graphic novel form. Talk to you guys then. All right. Well, Thanks, we will Nicole. say goodbye to Nicole, and uh, we're going to get to some plugs, and then uh, we're going to come back and talk about some Superman and Lois news because there is a lot to talk about. A lot. With, uh, <laughs> with Superman and Lois. Uh, so we will get, uh, we're, we're really going to dig into that. We got to process some stuff. We, we have a lot of thoughts and a lot to go through. So don't miss the news section that will be coming up after the plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl Radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you're in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio, Superman and Lois Radio, The Flash Podcast, and Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Backlight, and Podcast Bad Woman Podcast 2, and Titans and Doom Patrol Podcast just for you, Justice League Dark Podcast, Green Lantern Podcast, Star Girl Podcast, Strange Adventures Podcast, and finally my favorite of bunch, DC TV After Dark, where you're allowed to say would you like me to talk about the tea public store, Morgan? <laughs> uh, um, no, I've got it. I've totally got it. Uh, and since <laughs> I'm not rusty at all. We we, and, we took a month off, and then and then we changed the order. And I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> since we talked about Dreamer's introduction into the DCU, we have Dreamer Designs in the DC TV podcast Tea Public Store. Yeah, so if you need some Dreamer merch, definitely check out the DC TV Podcast T Public Store. We've got some Dreamer merch for you. Uh, if you uh, need something for Comic Con or any other uh, other conventions that are happening in the near future, uh, Dragon Con's coming up uh, not too long from now. So get your Dreamer uh, merch so that you can wear it as a, a hoodie, T-shirt, get your mugs, stickers, everything. We've got it. 
Um, so definitely check that out in the T public store. Uh, we would also like to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Sam, Anne Marie, Yvonne, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Nicole, Lizeth, Faith, Brian, Ethan, and Danny. Uh, if you would like to become a Supergirl Radio super sponsor, you can go to patreon.com slash Supergirl Radio. We have uh, four tiers and monthly memberships, and we appreciate you helping to uh, keep the lights on. And uh, so definitely check us out if you want to do that. We give you a little extra something of Supergirl Radio with the Patreon. So you get your free episodes every week, uh, but then you get uh, a little something extra with the Patreon. So uh, please consider uh, supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon if you would like to do so. All right. And now that we have gotten through all of our plugs, uh, we need to get to the news. Okay, according to EW.com, uh, after two seasons of dodging the question, um, uh, Superman and Lois finally explained its place in the Arrowverse, or lack thereof, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in season two's finale, former Department of Defense head Sam Lane explained to his grandsons, Jordan and Jonathan Kent, that they shouldn't be worried about their father, Clark Superman, saving the day because he's Earth gre- Earth's greatest hero. And as it turns out, he's Earth's only hero. Huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, (laughs) I've been working for the DOD for a long time, he said. I've seen things you would not believe, glimpses of other worlds and the leagues of superheroes they have on them. And even though we only have your father on this planet... (laughs) Thank God that we do, because he's the finest of any Earth. Uh, Since the Arrowverse crossover, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths got rid of the multiverse and merged all the universes, all the show's universes into one Earth called Earth Prime. This finale declaring that Superman and Lois is Superman is the only hero on this Earth means... Uh, and the article says, well, we'll let showrunner uh, Todd Helvig explain. And he says, I don't know if I would specifically define it as not in the Arrowverse, per se. <laughs> he sells EW. Maybe it's not that binary. It's more that the events in our show are not taking place on the same Earth as the Arrowverse, mm. which one would say means it's not in the air whatever <laughs> it, it, it is if that clears things up uh maybe <laughs> um are we gonna read the uh the q a with him yeah, yeah if, if if you want to it might sure, it's it's, sure. it's long it's long but it's yeah, yeah. uh clarifying yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> it's, it says, uh, so EW said, does that clear things up? Maybe. Uh, below, Helding uh, further explains what this means, addresses questions of potential Arrowverse crossovers in the future, and teases what fans can expect from season three. Now that Clark has a built uh, has built a brand new fortress in the middle of the ocean for all of his super family to use. So, twist. Uh, okay. Entertainment, <laughs> we- <laughs> Entertainment I, Weekly. Yes. I just, I just, I just want to, I just want to step in here just in case people have not watched the finale they now have two fortress of solitudes oh okay which which would seemingly negate the solitude because now you i mean i guess you could be solitude in two of them what if those fortresses are friends (laughs) (laughs) what if they hang out together (laughs) whatever they have two fortress of solitudes now (laughs) you can keep going (laughs) so entertainment weekly asks 
where did the decision come from to spell out Superman and Lois's place in the Arrowverse in this finale? Uh, and Todd Helbing says, it goes back to season one. In the original pilot, there were a lot of references to Crisis, and there was a Flash mention, and when we were shooting the original, uh, the original intent was to be part of the Arrowverse. But, you know... Then the pandemic hit and things changed and we couldn't do a crossover with Batwoman and all of these references to crisis through the pilot rewriting phase got stripped out just to make everything a bit more clear for a broader audience. Then at some point in season one, I had a conversation with DC and we clearly wanted to put our own stamp on the show and take and our take on the Superman mythology. The original intent was to be part of the Arrowverse, but the further along we got... And now, unfortunately, with the other shows being off the air, a little salt in that wound, uh, it felt like <laughs> that was editorial for me. <laughs> it just felt like the best decision was to have our Superman and Lois not be on the same earth as the Arrowverse. Uh, EW asks, how did you feel about that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing like a Sopranos uh, <laughs> doctor thing and how did that make you feel <laughs> uh, uh helping says when you're a, a part of it when you're part of a big obviously i was part of the flash for five years i ran it for some time i was there and tracking of the other shows uh show stories that is a huge undertaking in some ways it's easier to not be associated with the other shows in such an intimate way because you don't have to track everything you can kind of just concentrate on your characters and put a hundred percent of your focus into the show that you're trying to make and in other oh, ways, that, that, that must be not, that must be really nice to focus that, in on the show that you're trying to make. That must be. I feel like it would <laughs> certainly be. Uh, <laughs> uh, in other ways, it's sad because clearly doing all the crossovers are a huge reward for fans and everybody that's tuned in for years. And that stuff is tremendously fun to work on and satisfying. But that's not. Uh, but there's not seven, eight shows on the air right now. So that in itself is a much bigger challenge to do stuff like that. I don't know. It's conflicting for sure. Mm. So, um, so EWS, why wait until season, until the season two finale to finally answer that question? Uh, Helbing says, ultimately, these decisions are not up to me. Laughs. I'm the showrunner, but I have a lot of bosses. And in my discussion with DC, they just felt like it would be best to wait until the end of season two before I could reveal that. I would love to tell you a specific answer about why DC wanted that, but they have their own structure over there in what they're trying to accomplish. And we're just one piece of that. So I am glad to do whatever they request. Uh, EW asks, how relieved are you that you finally won't have to keep answering all these Arrowverse crossover questions? Uh, and Helbig says, look, I get it. I get it. The fans are disappointed. It's a lot easier to be honest, finally, to tell everybody and not feel like you're deceiving people when I was answering these questions like, why isn't Supergirl showing up? Or why huh. isn't The Flash showing up? Hmm, why indeed? Uh, <laughs> and he says, I'm just glad that uh, finally everybody knows now so we can just continue to make the best show we can. Uh, um, and then the EW asks, does this mean that Superman and Lois's versions of Clark and Lois are officially different from who we saw in all the Arrowverse crossovers and appearances in the past? And Helbig says, yes, exactly. Everybody that you see, while some people may have <laughs> similar backstories and maybe uh, and some may be different, they're different characters. Um, and then EW asks, does this mean no more crossovers in the future? And Helbig says, 
No, not necessarily. I mean, Supergirl was on CBS and came over to Flash and vice versa. We're doing a comic book show, so it doesn't necessarily mean that this will never happen. I think the odds of it looking exactly the way that it has in the past are slim. Uh, But if there's an opportunity and if there's a desire, I'm sure there are versions that we can do. Um, So EW asks, taking all that into account, when David Ramsey shows up at the end of the finale (laughs) and Sean Diggle... To talk about John Henry, <laughs> that means this is a new version of Diggle. And uh, Helbig says, exactly. He's a doppelganger. He worked with Oliver Queen. He worked with other heroes that, as of now, are unnamed. But yeah, he's just a doppelganger of John Diggle that everybody saw in the Arrowverse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's very complicated. <laughs> So he's John Diggle, but he's kind of not John Diggle. But you know what? Let's all just be chill about it. <laughs> um, that's confusing for sure. Yeah. So, um, did we get through all of the? Yeah. Okay. I, I think so. I hope so. Yeah, that no. was a lot to read. <laughs> that was a lot to read. I'm very sorry that I made you read all that, but you're a much better reader than me. So I definitely needed I took you to some read dramatic it. liberties with it. I'm sorry, Todd Helbig. It was just a big, it was a big chunk of text and I had to add a little flavor. <laughs> well, um, in, in addition to all of that, which hopefully cleared up some things, uh, the flash podcast also did an interview with Todd Helbing about this very thing. And we have a clip of, of him responding to this very issue. Well, I know that you've been asked to death about Supergirl, so let me tackle this now from a new angle. If the time ever comes for this world's Kara to show up, whether it is Melissa Benoist or someone else, but obviously we would want to see Melissa, do you kind of have an idea already in your head, like what this car, like where she is right now in the world? Are you talking about the the Supergirl show or our version? Your your version. What would be your, like what would your version of Supergirl be if we ever see her on the show? Yeah, it would not be the, uh, the the Supergirl from the CW, right, or from the Arrowverse. It would be our our version. So we would we would um, invent um, a new backstory for her um, in the same way that we did with with Lucy, in the same way that we did with General Lane, in the same way with John Diggle. It's like they may they're doppelgangers, so they may look exactly the same, um, but. Um, you know, but it would be a completely different story. Okay, Morgan, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't know if, if, uh, if, if you will allow me to be the jumping off. Please, please, point here. Okay, so uh, wait, hold on. If I may, no, <clears throat> no, please, <clears throat> please. And how does this make you feel? <laughs> well, it makes me feel uh, complicated. I have very uh, nuanced feelings, and I almost have a positive take on this. Initially, mm-hmm. I was very angry. Very mm-hmm, angry mm-hmm. because if you will remember in Supergirl season one, the show was almost forced pretty much to include Superman. Uh, yes, I remember that. We had that. to, we I had to have yet yeah, the boots, uh, the boots, <laughs> the aim chaps. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so important that the Supergirl TV series had to have Superman in it. So we had to get him in there. And then over the course of the series, Supergirl was the launching point. 
for the Superman and Lois television series. So we definitely had to get in there and do the backdoor pilot and give give all those characters all that screen time and take over the show. Uh, and, but then Superman and Lois can't repay the favor of having Supergirl on the the Melissa Benoist Supergirl and and uh, you know pay homage and honor those characters as as the Supergirl TV series did with the Superman and Lois characters. We can't have that. We can't have that. Don't want to honor that. Um, of all the things that the uh, the series that set them up to be a series did for them before that. So I was I was initially really ticked uh, when I read this because uh, I was off in Europe somewhere, probably in Germany. And, <laughs> and I got home and I was kind of sick and under the weather and I'm trying not to cough as we speak. And uh, I got I got home and I was like, what is this? And this was after I had watched the Superman and Lois series. Uh, no, not series season finale. And I heard that line of dialogue from General Lane. And I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. what?" <laughs> and after he said that John Diggle in the finale walks into the diner in Smallfield, I was like, well, what is he doing here? So I was very <laughs> initially very upset. Uh, but my positive take on this. And this is what I'm kind of leaning into to make myself uh, like have my blood pressure or my, you know, uh, <laughs> go down a little bit, try to bring myself down. Is that if this is uh, the way they're going to approach this and they're going to start over with these characters, they could still have Melissa Benoist be on Superman and Lois but with a different backstory like he talked about in the uh, Flash podcast interview clip. And uh, they could start fresh with the characters. So I actually think that's a good uh. thing because then we're not shackled to the Supergirl uh, TV series. They could introduce Comet. They get a, she, could, she could show up on Superman and Lois. She's in a relationship with a guy who sometimes turns into a horse. She could have a, a pet cat. She could have gone. She she uh, <laughs> she could be on a soap opera. She could be an actress on a soap opera. So there are so many ways. The sky's the limit, really. <laughs> they, they can totally just start over and possibly, possibly. This is my hope for Superman and Lois. They could give me the Supergirl on on television that I've always wanted. Ooh, that's, that's my positive take. I I like your positive take. My initial take when this came out, first off, I was like, I hope Rebecca's having a good time in Europe and doesn't see this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my initial take was like, I I I think it's ridiculous, a little ridiculous. Um, it, it is kind of disingenuous. Like everybody's been asking for ages, like why does Kara never show up or is never mentioned? Why aren't there any pictures of her? We had the whole wedding debacle. Was she there? Was she not there? Was she too young? Was she too old? Uh, <laughs> they had really set a, quite a conundrum up the, for themselves. The, the answer we find out is she probably uh, either doesn't exist or she wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, so that's an easy out for them, for sure. <laughs> but I think uh, I think it, it had to do with what he said in the, the article, which is like all the shows got are getting canceled. There's obviously some uh, some winds changing at the CW, if the CW even exists at some point in the future, <laughs> since it's ser like up for sale. Uh, they're canceling all the Arrowverse shows. They canceled Legends. They canceled Batwoman. Flash is going into its last season. So, like, what is really around for them to cross over with? And then, you know, 
there's a lot of baggage from those shows. And if they want to break free and be their own thing and do their own thing and, you know, introduce a, uh, introduce a supergirl who comes riding in on Comet the Super Horse, right? Or like <laughs> they could do whatever they want. They're kind of freed from, from all of the Arrowverse baggage of any of these characters. They can write completely brand new backstories for them. And, and I just think that like what is funny is that they did this whole crisis crossover, which the whole idea was to bring everything into one universe, whereas they could have just left them all in separate universes, kind of like a lot of the shows were. And uh, and we wouldn't have had to deal with the post-crisis universe uh, mess that we did on Supergirl oh, and everything. Gosh, yes. <laughs> I mean, Super Supergirl, uh, uh, I didn't, I wasn't current with all the shows, but Supergirl was certainly not helped by Crisis and trying to kind of like work Crisis in and kind it of a half-hearted so way. <laughs> and so it kind of <laughs> felt like, you know, this, this decision makes Crisis make less sense in hindsight uh, than it made even at the time when it started like really affecting all the shows and you're like oh that was a fun crossover but like now we what now this is all what we're now, left with what does this mean now uh yeah it is uh super confusing um because now as a viewer this this is like i get i get what they're doing as a writer they want to be able to do their own thing i get that and i get the uh the reasoning for it with the all the other shows pretty much gone I understand that. But as a viewer, it's a it's a real stretch to have to to and it maybe not a stretch is maybe that's not the word. It's uh it's leaning it's it's requiring a lot on the viewer. Because like in season 2 of Superman Lois, Lucy Lane to Todd Helbing's point comes into the show and she's not uh you know Major Lane who was in the military. She's she's some loser who got wrapped up in a a cult. That leads to bizarre world. Spoiler alert! I have and got to catch up on this show, <laughs> by the way, because I know that I'm supposed to be like I'm. I'm mad on Lucy's behalf, Lucy from Supergirl's behalf about all of that. But also, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty good. It's actually really good. Um, and that's that's my quandary. Like I I want to be mad at Superman and Lois, but the show actually is pretty good. Like I can't hate it too much. Um, but I just hope that if they do this, they, they actually, my, my hope is that if they do this to where that they are separating themselves from the Supergirl TV series, that I would at least like to see a Kara in some form on the show at some point. That's the very least amount that they could do is have one episode where they introduce Kara Zor-El and, uh, have, that Superman interact with Supergirl. That's the, I would just hope that they would value her enough in the mythology of Superman to include her in the show at some point. Yeah. I feel like that the, the big challenge for that might just be Melissa Benoist, like getting her back. Would she want to come back? I saw somebody in the chat mention that they could bring in a, a like a younger version of Supergirl um, and and have uh, Isabella Vidovic, uh, the actress who played young Kara in the Midvale episodes, like have her be Supergirl, like a younger Supergirl. That could be a, maybe a workaround. I would really like to see some version of Kara and some version of Supergirl in Superman and Lois at some point. But Melissa Benoist's schedule might 
might make that tough. You know, maybe she she might not be able to come back for something like that. But I feel like there's workarounds. Yeah, and they could also, and I would hate this, but they could also conceivably just recast Supergirl um, because they've recast Gen- General Lane, they've recast Morgan Edge, they've 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 changed a bunch of characters. Morgan Edge, though, uh, they did something I really—that's the only thing about the show that I did not like. Uh, but that's a whole other podcast for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Someday when I catch up, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> you can just skip to season two and just watch that because, Morgan, you would love Lana Lang in I, season two. You I need just, to be there for you, Lana's whole journey. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She has a journey. I was like, am I invested in Lana Lang's character? This is so weird for <gasps> this me. This feels so strange. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> interested. Like, I'm watching the show for her now. What is the, What is happening? <laughs> She had me intrigued in the pilot when she was like walking in in like giant fur coats that were like leopard print. And I was like, Real Housewives Lana, I think I could be into this. It's uh, it's pretty good for Lana in season two. There's lots of crazy things going on with her. Um, But yeah, so at least we have an answer now as to where the show has planted itself in terms of the Arrowverse um, and even the Supergirl aspect of it. So we'll see what happens. But uh hmm. I, they they don't seem like they have any interest in introducing a Supergirl anytime in the future. Yeah, I sense that. I sense that. It's it's strange to me that like uh, I mean I understand I do understand it though. Like honestly, everything that it would have been able to cross over with uh, either ended or was canceled. So I guess they kind of. I know that the the interview was like, yeah, we it was decided, you know, a while back and we couldn't say anything. I, I kind of wonder, was it decided a while back? Or was it decided when, like, everything got canceled and it was like, what would we even do crossovers with? Like, to be honest, like, I know people are mad because people like the shared universe and it's kind of abrupt and it was done kind of weirdly. But, I mean, I kind of get it. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand why they're doing it. And I don't think it was this was decided in season one in the pilot. They initially had a picture of Kara Clark and Lois together. I think from the farm, there's like a picture of the three of them that was like a production still or something. And I think they were going to have that in the daily planet office and they removed it like at the last minute or something like that was supposed to be in there. So I don't think initially when they started making the show that they were going to separate it. I feel like we shouldn't be surprised because we've been ragging on the fact that like Kara basically doesn't exist on this show and now we know why because she literally doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. Maybe it's a like a Man of Steel situation where she's been buried under the earth for 20,000 years or you know, Smallville where she you know, came at the same time as Clark and the, the pod is underwater and she's just got to be unearthed. Uh, for her to, uh, you know, emerge. They can and- dig her up any day now. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. going to pop up sometime. Maybe she's in uh, stasis somewhere and they've just got to get her out of uh, something. Season yeah. three ends with her pod showing oh. up. How about them apples? <laughs> I would love that irony. I am into that idea. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I highly recommend Superman and Lois. I think it's a, a, a pretty good show and it... um. It's done some things that I've been pretty surprised by. And they did do a good job with Bizarro World. I thought I thought for the most part that. And Morgan, you would love it on the cult aspect. I think <laughs> I think you'd be really into that. Uh, Lucy Lane is a mess for sure. 
Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think uh, you would like it for the cult aspect. But just wanted to update everybody on the current situation with the Arrowverse continuity and how that plays out. So if you're curious about that, we do have an answer finally. <laughs> all right. Well, any any more thoughts about that, Morgan, before we wrap up? I think those are all my thoughts. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like the least surprising surprise I've ever had. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was mad about it. And then I was like, but maybe. But opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to uh, keep in touch with us, uh, we'll get to some personal plugs here. You can follow me on Vero, uh, social media platform, Vero at Derby Kid. I'm also on Instagram at the Derby Kid. If you're interested in my pictures from Europe, I took some pictures, did some Instagram reels. Uh, Hopefully they will be enjoyable to you if you want to check them out on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I'm also uh, I have a personal YouTube channel, youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I am going to be restarting my Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice critical reception analysis live streams this Sunday. So if you want to come hang out with me on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern and go over some uh, film reviews and analyze them because I'm going to review the reviews. And uh, so if you're interested in that and talking about uh, art criticism, uh, feel uh, free to join me on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern and subscribe on YouTube. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me uh, as a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which we are taking a break, I think, for this week. Because actually, I'm not there. But Kat and Amy are at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So I guess they're having like a great time and everything. (laughs) Oh, that's You can't be there. I'm not jealous about it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm going to be having (laughs) more fun on the East Coast in this great heat wave of ours that we're having. (laughs) I love it when it's 100 degrees and I I feel like I'm dying as soon as I step out of the house. It's my preferred temperature. Um, But we will be coming back probably honestly with the comic-con uh recap episode so i can i can interview them about the great time they had (laughs) (laughs) and you can also uh find me as a co-host on dc tv ether dark which we have to do again yeah i always forget it's always a surprise to me every time it's like (laughs) oh my god i need to do a new episode of that one (laughs) we're supposed to do another episode Oh no! What is this like one? a podcast? What? My God! How many do they need? <laughs> <laughs> so, the, uh, as you can imagine, the best way to ke- keep up with that is just to subscribe and wait for an episode to randomly pop up in your podcast feed. Yeah, it'll just download automatically. It'll uh, be like a little treat you weren't expecting. And neither <laughs> were we. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to apologize to Supergirl Radio listeners and viewers. Normally, we try to do a podcast every week. And then last week, I had scheduled a uh, Super Pets, uh, uh, Legion of Super Pets character spotlight. And then I uh, uh, developed a bad cough and a uh, difficulty swallowing and breathing. Uh, So we had to take a, a, a week off. Uh, from doing that. So uh, my apologies to all the listeners and viewers. We will, we have rescheduled the Legion of Super Pets. We're going to get back to those Super Pets. Don't you worry about it. (laughs) We are going to get to the first appearances (laughs) of all those Super Pets in that episode. So uh, if you were looking forward to that and you were like, why was there no Supergirl radio episode last week? That's because 
I thought I was dying and uh, had to make sure that there was no way I could podcast. I couldn't even speak. So I just what did to... Europe do to you, Rebecca? I don't know. <laughs> I tested negative for COVID. I don't know what it was, uh, but it just was a mess. So that I was not in podcasting shape. So I think we're we're both, I think, trying to get back into podcasting shape. We've taken a month off. Yeah. We're trying to get back Ooh. in the game. So we're relaxed, but maybe too relaxed, <laughs> too, re too relaxed, I think. Um, but yeah, so we are getting back into the groove. So we'll have uh, a lot of stuff coming up uh, in the near future, a lot of super pet stuff. So get ready for that as we get uh, ready for the DC League of Super Pets animated film. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And consider checking out Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 13, and make all of Nicole's dreams come true. McGurk! I love Not typing. Not with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yay!